This is Hacker Public Radio episode, 3454 Friday, the 22nd of October 2021. Today's show is entitled, Internal Commands and is part of the series DOS. It is hosted by Ayuka and is about 12 minutes long and carries a clean flag. The summary is, more on DOS this time it is internal commands. This episode of HPR is brought to you by archive.org. Support universal access to all knowledge by heading over to archive.org forward slash donate. Hello, this is Ahuka welcoming you to Hacker Public Radio and another exciting episode in our DOS series, taking a look at that old war horse. Um, so, you know, last time uh, we looked at the boot process. Um, what happens after you've booted? Uh, the computer is sitting there uh, waiting for you to do something. Now, the way that you do something in DOS is through commands that the computer understands. A command may cause the computer to take some action or to execute some file. Um, we'll leave most of the file execution discussion for another lesson and for now focus on the topic of what are called internal commands. Um, now, DOS comes with a built-in command interpreter called command.com. This file is lo loaded during the boot process, which means that command.com is resident in memory at all times, and the commands it understands are available to the user at all times. Now, not all DOS commands are understood by command.com. There are commands called external commands that reside in separate files on your hard drive and must be called specifically for you to use them. Um, so internal commands, I think, are a lot very similar by analogy to shell commands uh, that we use in Linux. So you know that uh, you know if you are running the bash shell, there's a whole series of commands that it understands. And if you want to look up information about them, you have to look in the, uh, the manual page for Bash uh, to get that information because it's all part of the, the Bash shell and other shells as well. But Bash is the most common one on Linux computers, as far as I know. Um, so the uh, command.com in DOS is kind of similar to that. So uh, you don't need a, a separate file um, to do anything with those commands. It's it's there as part of the, you know, you can't boot without command.com. So um, Now, why do they have internal and external commands in DOS? Well, you know, some of it has to do 
with the limitations of how DOS handles memory. Um, a lot of things in DOS that might strike you as a little weird uh, are because of memory limitations. Uh, we will talk about this more in a later lesson. Uh, but for now, uh, let's just say DOS could only address a very limited amount of memory. In fact, a total of one megabyte. Now you might say, hey, uh, what's the 640K that I remember? Well, that one megabyte was divided um, into lower and upper memory, and the upper memory was for video. So there was basically 300 something, I think 384K is my memory, if my memory <laughs> serves, uh, that was reserved basically for uh, video memory. And then the lower 640K um, was available for program space. So it added up. Now, and we say one megabyte, remember that uh, that's one megabyte in binary, which is 1,024 bytes. So 640 plus 384 is, I think, 124, 1,024, if, if my math is correct. Um, so anyway, you, you, you had limited memory, and programs are very quickly bumping up against the constraints of available memory. Now, since command.com is loaded into memory at the beginning of the boot process and stays resident in memory at all times, it would not make sense to load commands that you would only use infrequently or to load commands that only certain users would ever need. So these commands were placed in external files where they could be accessed if needed and if you look in your DOS directory on your hard drive, uh, assuming you have a hard drive on your old DOS computer, I didn't when I got my first one, uh, but the hard drive is usually C colon backslash DOS, and you'll see the external commands uh, represented by files that are either a .exe or a .com. You won't see the internal commands here, though, because those commands are all contained within uh, commands.com. Now, if you've created a DOS boot disk, which is a useful thing to have, um, you know, particularly if you're going to be working with computers and, you know, you, it can come in handy. It will contain three files, as we discussed in lesson two, io.sys, msdos.sys, and command.com. Uh, the first two files are hidden, so you won't see them in a DOS DIR command normally. DIR is the directory command, which is equivalent to the Linux LS. Uh, but if you examine a boot disk uh, using some other uh, software, for instance, uh, a Windows Explorer, and, and set it to display all files, um, then you'll see them there. Uh, these files are located in specific places on the disk, and that's why the whole thing about uh, creating a boot disk and the, the boot process, this, this matters. You can't just take any old floppy disk and copy files onto it and say, oh, now I can boot. It don't work that way. Um, now, the third file 
the command.com must be in the root directory, um, but it, it doesn't have to be on a specific disk location per se, just as long as it's in the root directory. Now, since it's on the boot disk, it, you can't boot without it. Uh, that means that the commands it contains are available to you whenever you boot from the disk. The reason any well-prepared computer person uh, back in the day would have a DOS boot disk handy at all times is that a problem on the hard drive may render the computer unbootable. Booting from a DOS boot disk and using the commands available to you in command.com would enable you to diagnose and fix the problem. Yeah. You know, when I first wrote these tutorials, I was writing them for people who were basically moving from the DOS world into the Windows world, getting into computers, etc., and trying to explain what all this stuff was about. Now, the other major reason someone might want to create a DOS boot disk is to run legacy DOS software that has problems running with more current operating systems. Now, I think these days that's less likely to be the case because uh, things like DOSBox would handle that perfectly well. But there are still occasions. Um, you know, my copy of Spinrite uh, starts by booting into FreeDOS. And then in FreeDOS, it loads the program. Now, one last note regarding internal commands. The internal commands contained within command.com are the commands that are used in writing batch files. Now, we will discuss batch files more in a future installment, but one consequence is worth noting here. The batch file will not run properly if it cannot find command.com. Normally, this ought to be handled by the path command, but if you ever have problems getting a batch file to run, try putting a copy of command.com in the same directory as the batch file. This often gets the batch file to run perfectly. Now, there are 62 internal commands contained within the command.com command interpreter. Break, buffers, call, CD. You use CD a lot, that's change directory. CHCP, CHDIR. This is another way to change directory. Choice, CLS, that's the clear screen. Copy, country, CTTY, date, DEL for delete. Device, device high, DIR, that's the directory command. DOS, drive parm. Echo, erase, error level, exist, exit, FCBS, files, for, go to, if. Now, when you see for, go to, and if, you should say, huh, I could write a program with some of this stuff. Yeah, that's what a batch file is. It's basically a series of commands that does something. Include, install last drive, LH, load fix, load high, MD, that's to make a directory. Also, MKDIR does the same thing. They're equivalent. Menu color, menu default, 
Menu item. Move. Not. Numlock. Path. Pause. Prompt. RD. That's remove directory. Or RMDIR, which is also remove directory. REM, a remark. REN, rename, or rename. Set, shell. Set is used to set the value of a variable. Uh, shift, stacks, submenu, switches, time, true name, type. VER, Verify, and VOL. Now, some of these internal commands are meant to be executed from the command line or within a batch file. Um, others, uh, so files and switches, um, are generally used within a configuration file like config sys to help configure your system. Because both config-sys and auto-exec-bat use commands that are found in command.com, they must load later in the boot process. So if you are wondering why things happen in that specific order in the boot process, which we discussed last week, now you know why. It has to be that way. So. This is Ahuka for Hacker Public Radio signing off and is always encouraging you to support free software. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by an HBR listener like yourself. If you ever thought of recording a podcast, then click on our contribute link to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club and is part of the binary revolution at binrev.com. If you have comments on today's show, please email the host directly, leave a comment on the website or record a follow-up episode yourself. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Sharealike 3.0 license.